Hey, welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Mm-hmm. And here we are. We are here. Episode number 13. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's like it's like we made it. This is it. We've arrived. We've arrived. Thir- the we lucky, had a good run, lucky guys. Lucky number 13. <laughs> Isn't that what they say about number 13, that it's so lucky? So lucky. It's one of my favorite numbers. Is it? Me too. I don't know why. Something about it. My birthday's on the 13th, so it makes sense for me. Yeah, that makes sense for you. And one of my best friend's birthdays is also on the 13th. Wow. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Well, what are you you drinking tonight? I needed extra help tonight, so Mm -hmm. I'm drinking coffee. Nice. I also needed extra help, so I'm drinking a spiked lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> we had two different kinds of help being needed yes. tonight. Yes. True artists. Yes. Yes. We got caffeine and alcohol at yep. very strange hours. Just functioning, living our best life now. <laughs> Don't ever say that again. <laughs> Please. Thank you. Oh, man. Yeah. My dear, do we have a feel good fact tonight, this week? <laughs> We do have a feel-good fact. So, today's feel-good fact is that bees have been documented making a sound sort of like whoop or whoops when they bump into each other. (laughs) Much like myself and plenty of my fellow Midwesterners who say, oh, Mm -hmm. in situations just like this. Look it up on YouTube. Oh my gosh. You won't be disappointed. They make a sound that you can hear and it literally sounds like whoop. Oh my gosh. That's it's like crazy. so tiny. It's like yeah. bee sized, but like right. so awesome. Also save the bees. Yeah. Save the bees. We need, we need more bees. We need the bees. Don't kill your friendly neighborhood bumblebee. Yeah. Or any of the other. Yeah. Helpful little pollinators out there. But yeah. Wow. Or like, excuse me, pardon. Yes. Like in bee language. Whoop. Oh, the bee equivalent of the ope. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, saw. Let me just squeeze right past you. <laughs> I saw a, uh, uh, probably a tweet or whatever it was the other day that said it was two people at LAX and they bumped into each other and they both said, Ope and they just stopped and looked at each other. And they said, one of them responded immediately with Michigan. Yeah. The one said, Detroit and Chicago. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I want that to be true. I hope that's a true yeah, story. I hope so too. It's so good. It's just, it's, it's too, it's too real. It is. It's relatable. It is so relatable. And we if you're not from the Midwest, that. then you, you, and you don't get it. That, that's okay. Yeah, that's but okay. It's it's real for us. It is. All right. Well, dear, you've uh, you've been looking forward to this one for a long time, haven't you? I have been. I can't wait to hear all about it. Why don't you uh, bring us in? All right. So before I start, I just want to formally announce out front that I'll probably mispronounce things, but I'm just going <laughs> to confidently go for it mm-hmm. on some of these names. So if I say something wrong, just let's just move past it. I'm trying my best. <laughs> So this week, I thought it was time that I finally dug into some sort of folklore, like directly. I've been having a hard time trying to narrow down like what I want to talk about when it comes to folklore, because it's such a huge and extensive Mm -hmm. world. Um, And it's also 100 percent true that I have at least 10 other folklore things that I'm actively working on at this moment. So I'm calling it a Christmas miracle that I finally settled on one. So (laughs) without further ado, this week, I'm going to be diving in to the fascinating world of mermaid legends from across the globe. Are you ready, Kev? I'm ready. All right. Good. Because do you know why? Is it because this one's a doozy? It is. All right. So when you hear the word mermaid, I'm sure that there's a sort of instant picture that you get in your head, right? Yes. Some people immediately picture Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Some picture the iconic sirens with their long, flowy hair, using their beautiful voices and faces to lure sailors to their doom. But overall, I think the mental picture that most of us get is a picture of a creature with a fish-like tail and the upper body of a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. So I just got curious, and I really wanted to learn more about mermaids and, like, where did the mermaid legends originate? And, like, what? where did the artistic depictions originate? Um, I wanted to learn about mermaid legends from all over the place. So I was pretty surprised when I dug in and found out that not only is there a ton of information, but it stretches back pretty far. Really? 
Yes. There's Oannes shooting mm-hmm. for the moon. Uh, he's a male fish god that's documented in Mesopotamian accounts that date back to 5,000 years ago. Oh, wow. Or 5,000 BC. I don't know which. It's one of those two. Okay. <laughs> so either way, long time ago. Yeah. Uh, though some people claim that cave drawings made in the Paleolithic era actually depict mermaids. Hmm. I couldn't find a ton of information on that, so I'm just going to start with the Mesopotamian mermaids. Okay. So in Mesopotamian theology, Oannes was described as having the body of a fish and the head of a man with men's feet underneath his fishy tail, and his primary responsibility was to teach mankind wisdom. Hmm. It's also noted that he would swim up the Persian Gulf by day and teach humans about writing, the arts, and sciences, and then at night he would return to the sea. From my understanding, the Babylonians really expounded on Oannes and his sort of like role with the people somewhere around the year 4 BC, primarily in the work of a Babylonian priest named Barassus. Hmm. Barassus wrote three accounts that we know about, and though only fragments have survived, Greek scholars have preserved and passed on what they could. So one cool thing is that Oannes did have a couple of different names, and at some point an ancient tablet was found in what used to be ancient Sumer, and his name was listed with six other names of a group of gods called the uh, Apkalu, or the Seven Sages of Civilization, hmm. who were believed to be responsible for helping humans to establish culture and civilizations, as well as growing in wisdom. Yeah. So I was not expecting my search to begin with a merman who taught the people how to be smart-brained and cultured, but that's where it starts. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So a merman is the epicenter of the mermaid legend. Sort of. Yeah. So as you'll, we'll see more of this moving forward, but I don't think they technically got the name till later, but you'll see pictures all throughout history of part human, part fish Mm -hmm. creatures that have all sorts of different things attached to them. Some had like God status and others were um, just sort of fabricated from imaginations and all that kind of stuff. So let's keep moving. Okay. So another one of the earliest historical depictions of the mermaid or lady merperson or whatever popped up in Assyria, which is present day Syria, somewhere around the year 1000 BC. Adargatis, I'm going for it, was a fertility goddess who had a special interest in the conservation of marine life because fish were considered to be sacred to her and it was forbidden for anyone to consume fish. Hmm. As the myth goes, Adargatis... (laughs) fell in love with the human shepherd, but she accidentally killed him. Oops. It's like, darn it. Oh, man. Accidentally killed my true love. So she was grief stricken and she was crushed by her misfortune. So she threw herself into the sea with the intention of turning herself into a fish. But because of her great beauty, the sea refused to allow her to conceal that beauty. And so the transformation would remain incomplete leaving her appearing as a beautiful half-woman, half-fish, and thus the true sort of what we might picture as a mermaid kind of began. Yeah. Wow. That, I feel like that sounds incredibly creative. Like It is very incredibly creative. When I hear you tell that story like that, I almost get like caught up in like, in like the feels of, wow, I, I feel like I couldn't have written that. And I'm, I'm, I have, I'm the beneficiary of, thousands of years of great literature mm-hmm. and that was a thousand years before the common era. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and she has been depicted in artwork of all kinds throughout millennia from sculptures to, I think she was even on like currency at some point. Uh, she's a staple in certain mm. temples that have been uncovered. Um, she made it as far as Rome and Greece. And even though her name has changed depending on the culture that she's talked about in. She still remains the legendary first known mermaid in history. Wow. Yeah. So interestingly, I read that there's a distinction between mermaids and sirens that feels relevant to add into the story at this point. Okay. So from what I understand, and I obviously I could have misunderstood this, but sirens were first depicted as far back as the Greek myth of Persephone and Hades. There are a few versions of this myth, but one in particular is interesting here. So in this version of the story, Hades, god of the underworld, sees Mm -hmm. Persephone and instantly falls in love with her. He tells his brother Zeus about this, and the two devise a plan to snatch up Persephone so Hades can have her to himself. 
Zeus convinces Gaia to plant a beautiful yellow flower, Narcissus, that would be used to enchant and distract Persephone so they could kind of make their grab. Hmm. So Persephone's mother, Demeter, goddess of nature, sends her to go play with her friends that are either water nymphs or humans, depending on the version, Mm -hmm. while she goes and tends to her plants. So all is well for a minute until the flower distracts Persephone and she drifts away from the group that, for whatever reason, is unable to follow her. When she's distracted by the flower, Hades snatches her up and takes her to the underworld. In one version, when Demeter returns to where Persephone was playing, she sees only her companions that are crying, lamenting Persephone's disappearance. Mm. So it's been told a couple of ways, but one way is that in her fury, Demeter turns the companions into half bird, half human creatures, which is the original depiction of sirens. Interesting. Yeah, some say that she did the half bird, half human thing so that they could fly around and like go look for Persephone. Uh-huh. Um, and others say that she was mad. So it's more like a, like, like a, a physical curse. Yeah. 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 So either way, she either did it to help find Persephone or to punish them for not protecting her. The sirens hmm. usually remain near the sea, singing their irresistibly sweet and sad song for all eternity, calling and longing for Persephone's return. So I had no idea that there actually was historically a difference between mermaids and sirens. And I really had no idea that sirens were originally half human and half bird. Right. This version of sirens is also present in Homer's Odyssey. Didn't know that. I missed that. So we also have plenty of super memorable characters across cultures like Triton, son of Poseidon, who's depicted as half man, half fish. Mm -hmm. There are examples of sea nymphs helping sailors through brutal storms and stories of mermaids or sirens luring sailors to their doom or sinking ships all throughout Greek tradition. Yeah. So that's a pretty staple sort of figure. Yeah. In a lot of ancient myths. That's, I, I feel like what you just described to me is both like surprising and also like, it, it 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 puts things together in a way that I realize I probably should have been reading in the first place. Mm-hmm. When I think about like the Odyssey, um, and they describe the sirens in in that story, and it's been so long since I've read it, but I'm I'm recalling like the story wouldn't make sense, or their interaction wouldn't make sense if they were mermaids right. because of the way that it all plays out. Yeah, and I'm once again I'm I'm fuzzy on the actual scene but i vaguely remember there being like like oh yeah this would be kind of this doesn't make sense that they i thought they were mermaids but but they're not and now yeah. i know that and right. <laughs> next time that i read that i will be more aware yeah it seems i i probably should have dated this but it seems somewhat recent that mermaids and sirens were kind of used interchangeably yeah yeah but either way they're both sort of bound to the sea in a way because True. the sirens usually are near shorelines and beaches or they're out at sea sometimes. So it does make sense. Yeah. That does make sense that you would, you would see both and both seem to be related to like the unknown, the unknown sky, Mm -hmm. the unknown ocean, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. Well, and, and it does stay true to like what a lot of people typically picture. I think I even said it in my introduction before I knew that sirens were not mermaids and I didn't edit it. Whoops. Um, (laughs) that they sing a song. Like, like the mermaids of the sea, sirens do have a song and that's sort of like their origin story Mm -hmm. for where their sad, but irresistibly sweet song came from, which is interesting. That is interesting. So yeah. All right. You want to keep going? Yeah, let's keep going. All right. So let's do another ancient mermaid legend. Okay. So Alexander the Great had a half sister whose name I'm going to try for Thessalonike. Wow. Uh, She lived an interesting enough life, being the daughter of King Philip II and being born on the day of Philip's victory at the Battle of Crocus at Thessaly, which was the single bloodiest battle in the history of ancient Greece, with over 6,000 slain enemies and 3,000 prisoners of war. So this victory secured Macedonian power in the world of ancient Greek politics. In honor of this occasion falling on the day his daughter was born, he named her Thessalonike. Yeah. Anyways, skipping ahead to when one of her children actually murdered her for showing favoritism amongst her children. Oh. Her death marks where the legend begins. So I'm not sure exactly when this started happening, but strange things were brewing on the Aegean Sea. 
The Aegean Sea was a massively important body of water situated between Greece and modern-day Turkey that was frequently used for things ranging from commercial to military pursuits in the Mediterranean Sea. Hmm. So at one point or another, sailors would return from their trips to the Aegean Sea with bizarre stories that would continue even to this day. Hmm. They would claim that they had seen Thessaloniki alive and well swimming in the sea. The legend says that her brother, Alexander the Great, had somehow been given a flask of water from the fountains of immortality, and he gave that to his sister, who then washed her hair with it. So when Alexander died, she couldn't bear the grief of it, so she threw herself into the Aegean Sea. So those are the two different versions of her death. Yeah. So instead of drowning, she transformed into a mermaid thanks to that special flask of water. Hmm. But the sailors had a warning for any others who may venture out onto the Aegean Sea. They said that if you see Thessaloniki, that she will ask you a question. Quote, is Alexander the king alive? End quote. There is only one correct response to this question, the sailors would have to say. Quote, he lives and reigns and conquers the world. Hmm. End quote. If a sailor responds correctly, she would let them pass through and cause no trouble on the rest of their journey. But if a sailor was to respond with anything else, she would turn herself into a gorgon, which is a monster with snakes for hair that turns people to stone. (laughs) And then she would either turn the sailors to stone or cause there to be a catastrophe like a big storm that would sink their ships to the bottom of the sea. Wow. So that's that's like a combination of a few uh, Greek myths, isn't it? Like it sort of feels like it. The Medusa character. A little bit. Yeah. And wow. Okay. I'm really curious on how Medusa came out to be then, if that's what Thessaloniki was doing. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I guess depending on, cause you, you said it was, what kind of a creature is that? A Grogon. A Grogon. So it's not just a singular being a named Medusa. Yeah. Whatever it is. It's we got to brush up on our Greek myths, man. Apparently. Um, it's not just a singular being. Mm-hmm. called Medusa with with a unique ability is actually a type of being that there were potentially multiple of. Yeah, spooky, according right? According to mythology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So it's from from what I gathered, she was she was actually killed by one of her sons. Yeah. Um and then over time the legend changed to or it became more of a legend. Right. That she was grief stricken when her brother passed away. So she flung herself into the sea. Mm. Um, either way, sailors swear you'll they, bump into yeah. old Thessaloniki on the sea and she'll ask you the question. You better answer it right. Mm. Or you're done for. I'd be really curious to know if there's like a, like a modern testimony of that. Someone, I know. someone in the last 50 years being like, this definitely happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and that's not like totally true mermaid, but there's something like immortal water being, Right. That causes curses to befall you. That felt very mermaidy. And uh, that was a kind of a popular longstanding story. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to include that one. That's fun. Okay. So let's keep moving. So throughout history, many different cultures around the world have had their own versions of mermaids kind of woven into their various traditions and folklore. Sometimes a mermaid is a sign of good luck and fortune. And other times a mermaid is a bad omen. So I'm going to take up a solid chunk of time talking about the different mermaid lore from around the world. And then we'll land the plane with talking about some interesting mermaid sightings throughout history. Okay. And some more recent ones as well. So this one's locked and loaded and it's a little all over the place. So yeah, let's just have fun with it. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy the mermaid, the mer stories. Enjoy all of it. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of jump from place to place, no particular order. So let's establish that across the board, mermaids will definitely ruin your day if you seek to bring them harm, with almost no exception culturally. (laughs) Whether you get a friendly, helpful mermaid or a bad omen mermaid, just don't harm the mermaids. Don't try to catch it. Yeah. Don't harm the mermaids. Don't scare them. Just leave them alone. Yeah. It's also interesting to point out that whether the mermaid you come across is a sign of good fortune or sign of impending disaster, the idea that one creature could represent both things so well, I feel like is a super fabulous metaphor representing the sea itself, which you kind of already well, mentioned. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's the unknown, mm-hmm. you know, and it can bring you great joy, great fortune, 
right. great prosperity or it can bring you your demise. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's, it's like mysterious too in that way. Yeah. It's the it's the the ancient near eastern equivalent of uh the chaos of um like nuclear warfare for mm-hmm. our day. Like we don't think of the ocean quite in the same fear as as those Speak for yourself, 4000 years ago. Monster well, soup. <laughs> yeah. But like people some people are very concerned about well what if nuclear weapons get used and da 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 like that was the way that people viewed the sea mm-hmm. 4000 3000 4000 years ago mm-hmm. like yeah that's pretty crazy it's a good to think point. about yeah yeah that's a good point okay so we're going to start off in china in china mermaids have been part of the lore since somewhere around the year 4 bc and there is a clear wonder that japanese people throughout time have held for mermaids In different stories, you'll see all kinds of fantastical abilities that mermaids possess. Mermaids and mermen had the ability to turn their tears into pearls, and they could make a sheer silk cloth that couldn't get wet, so they would become highly sought after by fishermen, since a cloth like that would obviously be pretty valuable. Hmm. But fishermen who decided to set out with the intention to capture a mermaid were looked down on because there's always been a sort of reverence for the grace beauty and mystery that the Chinese people have believed that mermaids possess. Hmm. Yeah. So interesting, right? Yeah. So in Japan, mermaids or Ninga, I did not say that right. I apologize. (laughs) Translates to human fish. Uh, They have been present in legend for a long time, uh, mostly in oral tradition for a long while. And then they began popping up in other mediums when in the 17th century, there was a documentation of a ningya, I'm trying, being captured by large groups of men in freshwater and in saltwater fishing areas. Hmm. They were capturing them because the legend states that if you consume the flesh of one of these beings, you will be granted immortality. But there's a catch. If you catch one, bad luck was pretty much imminent. So when they were captured, it's said that they'd be thrown back to sea to avoid catastrophe. Yeah. So if one accidentally got caught up in your fishing net, you're not going to try and hunt for it. (laughs) You're going to let it go and you're not going to try to eat it for immortality. Definitely not. Not a good plan. Yeah. So there were also reports that go as far back as the 1200s that I could find that said that the Ningya were washing up on beaches and that when this happened, it was a bad omen warning the people of incoming disaster, like a Mm -hmm. like a weather catastrophe event or war. So these are hmm. not beautiful creatures. <laughs> they literally have an entire fish's body with a human head. They've also been depicted <laughs> not cute. A little bit more cartoony, I feel like. Scary. <laughs> if I saw one, I would pass out due to the fright. So they've been sometimes depicted with gold horns, red bellies, and sometimes hmm. they have extra eyes, either like going along their sides or torsos. Mm-hmm. And they were said to reach up to 35 feet in length. Oh, geez. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of a little bit is, is what uh, on earth could that possibly remind you of? Well, Kevin? it reminds me obviously more <laughs> cute, but it reminds me of Ponyo. Remember yeah. that scene in the movie where like, uh, uh, yeah. The boy takes it to the, to the older woman and she freaks out. She's like, that fish has a face. Yeah. And, that that's what that makes me think of is like the reaction of like get that thing back in the sea it's bad luck that, Interesting. that fish has a face we I, have the Japanese version we should watch it yeah and see if they use that term yeah that'd be interesting yeah so wow hey look at you I don't know. just paying attention just to paying attention details. look at you <laughs> okay so every artist's rendition that I've seen of them are truly scary so if the Japanese were actually out there spotting the ningya it's a hard pass for me. If anyone has any specific renditions that they love or that they think are, you know, particularly interesting or scary, please let us know on the Instagram post for this episode. I was having a little bit of a hard time narrowing down which ones to talk about. Mm -hmm. I like could spend forever on this. So many cultures, I probably couldn't even count how many have different variations of mermaids. Some of them have been classified with a different term, but then fall under like the umbrella of being water dwelling oh, yeah. creatures like that, that sort of thing. So um, let's move on to Slavic folklore. So in Slavic folklore, we have a few different versions of mermaids. Uh, Slavic mermaids fall into the greater category of nature spirits called the Rusalka 
or the Rasalki if it's like plural. Hmm. So the Rasalki were tasked with taking care of rivers, forests, and fields, and are usually depicted as young girls or young women with pale skin and loose flowy hair, which in Slavic folklore is the sign of a spirit being evil. Since there used to be, I don't know if there still is, but at the time there was a value in keeping hair sort of like well-kempt and out of the face. But they're also said to have the ability to shapeshift or alter their appearance in order to be more enticing to a bigger variety of people. Oh, so they kind of think of them almost witchy. Somewhat, yeah. 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 Okay, so they either change what they look like based on who they're like targeting and what that target finds most desirable, or they look beautiful from far away. But once you're up close and it's too late for you, you'll see them for what they truly look like. Moldy green hair, mm. sharp teeth, skin so pale that you can see their organs. Mm. So the whole nine yards. Wow. It's said that the mermaids are essentially the spirits of girls who had either been drowned or drowned themselves in the river. Mm. Many legends say that the ones that drowned themselves did so to escape a bad marriage or a violent relationship mm-hmm. of some kind, which is really sad. sad. There's like a heaviness kind of attached yeah. to them. There are some differences regionally, but they all seem like Rusalka after the 19th century are generally up to no good. <laughs> One version, uh, I'm going to once again shoot for the stars, the Laskatuki okay. are said to exist in rivers and their sole purpose is to lure men close enough to them that they can tickle them <laughs> literally to death, <laughs> which I honestly, there might not be a worse way to go for me. Yeah, for you, that's the end of the world. Yeah, it's terrible. You might as well be dead. Yeah, that sounds awful. No thanks. (laughs) There's another Rusalka that attacks men working over the noon hour, giving them heat strokes or causing them to go mad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So technically those fall under the greater category of nature spirits, I'm pretty sure, but like, what a job. Yeah. (laughs) They've got important work to do. (laughs) They've got important work that they're up to. So there are other Rusalka that lure men to them with their beautiful voices. And when the men would get close enough to them, Mm -hmm. they would tangle the men in their long hair, dragging them into the water to their deaths. It's said that the Rusalka might not be completely evil. And that since most of their deaths as humans were related to violence in some way, that hypothetically... If they were to be avenged, the spirits of the Rusalka would be set free hmm. and would be able to rest, no longer stalking the rivers looking for men to entice and drown. Yeah. So they aren't like, again, not like the typical mermaid, half human, half fish, but they have enough similarities to mermaids. Plus, they're scary yeah. and intriguing. So I thought the Rusalka were worth a mention. Yeah. Well, and the Rusalka sound like what I've known more commonly as the sirens. That's that's the way that I always have been told, oh, yeah, sirens do these sorts of things and they seem enticing. And then when you get close enough, you can't get away anymore. Like, that's how I've always viewed what a siren is. So it's interesting to, like, hear how this uh, how this legend kind of overlaps with other legends mm-hmm. and how when it comes to us in the 2000s, we're like, oh, okay. This is actually like almost a conglomeration of several legends all at once. Right. Or like the Fae. Yeah. Where there's like, it's a really broad category mm-hmm. and there's several different specific creatures, I guess. And yeah. with like different functions. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's slightly different regionally. I didn't give distinctions on where all the different ones were from. It's really easy to find um, online if you're interested in learning more about the Rusalka because they are very interesting. Hmm. Okay. So in Britain... Mermaids made their appearance sometime in the medieval period, and they were almost always thought to be a bad omen for sailors at sea. So like you see a a mermaid, Mm. your ship is probably going down. There are all kinds of stories ranging from sightings of mermaids being enough to basically let you know that your fate is sealed. And then there's others where the mermaid gets involved in some way. She might even pop in and do some stuff. So she would make contact with men at sea tricking them into believing that there was land nearby, telling them they would be safe if they followed her, but then the ship would end up smashed on a rock. Right, right. Some stories also say that the mermaid wasn't just warning or tricking sailors, but that she was actually the one causing the catastrophe by whatever means. Hmm. Like summoning the storm herself, and then the storm would be the thing to take the ship down. So, interesting. Wow. yeah. 
There are also stories in Ireland and Britain of mermaids drowning people in rivers and lakes who got too close to them. So there's like all kinds of variety Mm -hmm. with these ones. Um, In these stories, every so often, a mermaid wasn't such a bad omen. And sometimes mermaids would actually save drowning humans and would nurse them back to health or give them insights into things like plants that can heal and things like that. Hmm. And then we also have one of the most famous mermaid tales coming out of Denmark, The Little Mermaid Mm -hmm. by Hans Christian Andersen. I'm not going to spend any time on that because all of you should have read that already. And if you haven't, you can go read that. Yes, it is very different than the Disney-fied version. It's definitely not (laughs) Disney-fied. But that's, it's too big of a story to like not mention at all. Right, (laughs) Got to kind of throw that one in there. Irish mermaids or marrow are very interesting and they are featured in plenty of folklore that dates pretty far back. So a little bit about the marrow. Marrow men are straight up ugly. (laughs) They have emerald scales and stubby limbs, bloodshot eyes, mangled, coarse green hair, and pointy teeth. They are said to be so ugly that the beautiful marrow women refuse to mate with them, so they're basically cursed to wander the seas in search of human men, usually sailors, which are the true desire of the marrow women, Mm. and they take it upon themselves to drown any man that they come across. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like they're not messing around. There's a lot to unpack with that that I'm just going to yes. leave alone. <laughs> <laughs> Marrow women are the true stars of the show. They're described as strikingly beautiful with long, radiant hair and a gorgeous scaled tail. They're said to be so beautiful that any man who sees them is immediately struck with wonder. They use their beautiful singing voices to either instill a sense of joy in their listeners or to enchant someone in order to lure them to their death. So that's a risk I'm not willing to take personally, (laughs) that I'm just saying. It's said that any man who is enchanted and lured by the marrow will inevitably be dragged underwater and held in sort of an underwater soul captivity for eternity. Oh. Unless you annoy your captor enough, in which case you become marrow food. Oh. She'll eat you up, bones and all. Wow. So your options are forever soul prison under the water. (laughs) Forever. Yeah. Or... You or the sweet relief of death. <laughs> Honestly. eaten alive. Just eat me alive. It's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> so if anyone is to escape their captivity um, and are able to get away, Meryl will essentially just hunt them down and drown them and eat them anyways. So you're doomed no matter what if the Meryl are able to enchant you. Wow. Yeah. Scary. Just stay away from the Meryl. Yeah. Don't listen to the beautiful singing. Yeah. So from my understanding, Marrow are a member of the Fae. They're just like one variation of Fae in Irish folklore, which you better believe we're going to dedicate at least one full episode to the Fae. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the Marrow have such a longstanding tradition that many people believe that certain Irish last names in County Kerry and County Clare are derived from man and mermaid unions. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Yeah, there's like a list of them. So tales of the marrow go back a long time, and there are several interesting ones that I'd love to share, but I'm just going to pick one. little impulse control. Mm -hmm. So I'd mentioned County Kerry a minute ago. County Kerry is on the Atlantic coast of Ireland and is loaded with centuries of stories about marrow folk. One of the most famous ones is about a gentle and kindly fisherman named Ludi. So one day, Ludi was walking along the beach when he came across the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen laying on the ground. Oh, Ludi. Ludi. You sucker. <laughs> As he approached her, he saw that she wasn't a human woman, but a marrow woman. His kindness overtook his fear when he saw that she was in distress, seemingly trapped on the beach, so he decided to help her. He scooped up the beautiful marrow woman named Marina into his arms and carried her out to set her free into the waves. Marina was moved by this act of kindness, and so instead of drowning him or eating him, she granted him three wishes. Hmm. Ludi made his three wishes. Bless. He wished for the ability to break curses caused by dark magic, for the ability to command dark spirits to carry out charitable deeds and not just curses, <laughs> what? and for good things to happen to all good people. Oh my goodness. Sweet Ludi. <laughs> Wow, I thought he was going to be a sucker, but he ended up being the hero. He's so sweet. So Marina was touched by these selfless wishes, so she granted him the gift of prosperity on top of his three wishes. To show his gratitude, Ludi reached out to shake the hand of Marina, but it was this that sent Marina over the edge. 
Ludi was truly good and kind and pure, and all of that was too much for Marina to continue to subdue her true malevolent nature, so she began to sing to enchant him. Ludi realized what was happening and reached for his iron knife, because iron can be used to harm fey folk, marrow included. Hmm. So this, obviously, infuriated Marina, so she stopped her singing and told him that she would not forget this, and that she'd let him go for today, but she would return in nine years to get her revenge. I don't know why she wants revenge, wow. but... yeah. Over the next few years, Ludi got married and had two sons. Nine years after Ludi's fateful encounter with the Marrow woman, he was taking one of his sons fishing. It was when poor Ludi stood just a hair too close to the edge of the sea that Marina appeared and dragged him out to sea, fulfilling her promise. So that one's a bummer. Yeah, all because he wanted a handshake. (laughs) All because he helped her. Yeah, he helped her and said, well, put her there, partner. Yeah. And she was like, excuse me? (laughs) Rude. (laughs) It's too kind. Can't uh, too much take it. kindness. <laughs> he wants to be my friend. Yeah. So there's only one line of defense against the marrow apart from an iron weapon. And that's a special enchanted cap called the Kahulin Druith, which is essentially the thing that allows marrow the power to remain under the sea. If you are brave enough and quick enough to snatch the cap away from a marrow who is attempting to enchant and enslave you in soul captivity... Hmm. She would no longer be able to go under the water, and she would essentially become yours to deal with however you please. Oh, wow. But if you're too late, it's off to the soul cage for eternity off for to you. the soul cage. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's a risk w- that you should be probably willing to take if you're being snatched up. Right. If you don't have an iron weapon, all you've got is, you know, a can-do spirit and quick hands. <laughs> I get, like, immediately when I'm even a little bit stressed— everything kind of just starts spinning around. Yeah. So I wouldn't have the wherewithal to like reach out and grab a magical cap. Right. Like I'd be done. Right. But. I would have my dad reflexes and just walk home. I'd be like, hey, would. take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'd make her come and apologize to Ludi's family. That's right. On behalf of all <laughs> merfolk. Yeah. Okay. So there's also a ton of interesting stories about mermaids in various African traditions. One of the most famous is Mami Wata, a water spirit that's depicted as having the head and torso of a woman and either the tail of a fish or of a serpent. There are variations of Mami Wata or Mother Water and her origins, purpose, and all of that sort of stuff. But overall, she's on one hand a spirit that's protective and playful, and on the other hand, she's a powerful water deity that commands the worship and sacrifice of her people. Hmm. She's always seen as strikingly beautiful with an enchanting singing voice that she uses to lure sailors to their deaths, either on accident or on purpose. Hmm. The ideas of the deaths being accidental stem from stories saying that Mami Wata may just be being too playful, but she forgets her own strength. (laughs) So she accidentally takes the fun too far and ends up killing the sailors that she's trying to, like, have fun with. Oh, man. Which is, like, (laughs) also, like... (laughs) It's like Adragatis just uh-huh. casually killing her lover by accident. Right. Oh, shoot. <sighs> Darn. Not again. <laughs> Other times she's purposely using her powers to lure the men to their deaths as both a testament of her power and as a sort of blood payment for people crossing, either crossing her or being in her presence without permission. Hmm. Mami Wata legends date back for several centuries and folklore surrounding her has survived even the transatlantic slave trade morphing in purpose and functions across many areas of North and South America as well. Hmm. Yeah, so those legends have kind of, depending on where they're at, they've taken on other forms, but the, the lore has survived, Yeah, which is really cool. So one more mermaid legend, and then we're going to do sightings. So last but not least, we're going to talk about the Brazilian mermaid myth, Yara. There are some variations on the spelling, but the origins are all similar enough. She's a beautiful water entity that has a long presence in Brazil oral folklore tradition. So Yara is depicted as having tan or copper skin, long hair that is sometimes green. I didn't see any other specifications. Hmm. All I saw was sometimes green. (laughs) She has brown eyes and a tail similar to a manatee or a dolphin. She's usually sitting on a rock, combing her long, beautiful hair 
or resting in the sunshine. When she would sense a man nearby, she would begin singing an enchanting song to lure him to herself. This was either to lure him in to be her lover or to kill and drown him, depending on the version of the story. Yes. So we've got one extreme or the right, other. Right, you're doing really good luck or really bad luck. Yes. So how did Yara come to be? So Yara was an indigenous woman that was remarkably skilled in warfare, gaining the respect of her father and other male members of a tribe with particularly patriarchal leanings. Mm -hmm. She was admired far and wide by all, with the exception of her brothers. They were furious that she, a woman, was so successful in warfare and so admired, so they cooked up a plan to kill her. But wow. being as skilled as she was, when she defended herself against the attacks of her brothers, she accidentally ended up killing them. Well. <laughs> yep. When her father discovered what she had done, she fled for her life into the jungle, where she was eventually captured and killed for her crimes. Some versions say that she was killed and then dumped into the river, where the perpetrators then blamed, I think it's pronounced Jackie, the night goddess, hmm. or Jacy, the night goddess. So they blamed the night goddess for her disappearance. Others say that she was drowned in the river, and then Jackie, Jacy, saved her by turning her into a mermaid. But either way, once she was brought back to life as a mermaid, she was set on taking revenge against all men, seducing them, and then either making them love her for the rest of their lives— or killing them. Wow. So if any man was to encounter Yara and survive, they would either survive, but would be marred with telltale teeth marks on their necks, which new band name I call it, <laughs> uh, or they would go completely insane for the rest of their days. Wow. Yeah. So Yara was out there doing the most. Yeah, she was, she was really, uh, I like that. It says legends say that she, when she would sense a man nearby, Yeah. <laughs> like, is that a man I sense? A man sense, yeah. <laughs> Spidey sense, but... Uh -huh. There he is. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting because she's immortal. And so if a man was cursed to be her lover, mm -hmm. it was until they died. Mm -hmm. And so her plight is kind of also sad in a way. Right. Where it's like she's going to spend eternity either just killing as an act of revenge or binding right. unwilling suitors to herself right. as an act of revenge. Yeah. Wow. That one's kind of a bummer with teeth marks, with teeth marks. Like I'll let you go, but you're going to tell your friends about this because <laughs> you've got a big old bite out of the side of your head. Okay. So like I said, there's plenty of other legends that are interesting and compelling from all over the world, but I don't want this to be a four hour episode. So let's talk about some sightings. Yeah. There have been mermaid sightings all over the world, in seas and lakes and rivers, on beaches and coastlines far and wide. We've got story after story of men at sea swearing that they saw something they couldn't explain in any other way besides whatever they saw being a mermaid. Hmm. Most logical thing is that this was a mermaid. We've got mermaids in sculptures and temples, on currency and in countless artistic renditions sometimes as a metaphor for danger, other times as documentations of sightings of the unexplained. Hmm. We've got YouTube videos and documentaries, fictional movies or shows or books, as well as plenty of those same things claiming that whatever they've captured is the real deal. So I say all of this to say that mermaids are everywhere and they have been for a long time. <laughs> so here's a couple interesting ones. So in 2012, in Zimbabwe, which is a landlocked country in southern Africa, a very strange account took place. On the Gokwe Dam in northern Zimbabwe, machinery was suddenly out of order. Local construction workers were immediately convinced that the cause of this problem was mermaids, specifically the Mamba Muntu, hmm. a variation of the Mamiwati legend. Wow. So local crews went down to examine and fix the machinery and piping, when they claimed that Mamba Muntu were there. Since it's considered a bad omen to see them, the workers hightailed it out of there, vowing never to enter those waters again. Like, what? It scared professional construction crews. So in an effort to keep construction and repairs moving forward, a local council approved contracting the work to non-local white workers because they figured that anyone who wasn't familiar with the legend wouldn't be spooked out of doing their jobs. Right. So from what I've gathered, a lot of people that are like on this board mm -hmm. are respectful of 
traditions and Mm -hmm. lore and beliefs of the different people that live there, but they might not necessarily believe the legends themselves. And so they're like, this is kind of an easy compromise from what I understand. So they brought in the non-local white workers. Uh But when these workers went down there, they too saw rage-filled, terrifying mermaids. So they pulled out of their contract. Oh my gosh. They pulled out of their contract. What year was this? 2012. Oh my gosh. And so the council revisited their options because obviously they needed to get this dam fixed (laughs) and operational. Wow. So they took a different approach to solving the problem. Instead of avoiding the Mamba Muntu, maybe they could offer them something to placate them instead. So they brought in a healer who brewed a special beer and offered cattle sacrifices, which seemed to work. Wow. So did these two different construction crews, unrelated to one another, actually see mermaids? Was this a case of mistaken identity? Who knows? Wow. Well, it's so recent that it's like, you would think documentation, pictures, videos. Mm -hmm. And yet. Crazy. If you're freaking out. And you're like, I have to get away. This is. Well, and if you think about it, I'm not sure where the white workers were contracted from. Could have been literally from anywhere. Um, But both crews would have experience with lots of dangerous predators, lots of dangerous conditions. If you're going underwater to work at all. Right. There's just about anything that can go wrong with your own equipment. There's drowning risks. There's you know, right. sharks, yeah. crocodiles, all sorts of things. And both crews were totally spooked out of it and like quit their jobs. Like yeah. <laughs> that one's oh, wild. Wow. Okay. So we're going to travel back in time for this one. So we're going to go to the year 1608 in the Bering Sea. An explorer named Henry Hudson was out at sea when he spotted something truly odd. He wrote about it in his journal. He claimed that a mermaid popped up in the waters of the sea And upon seeing Hudson and his crew, the startled mermaid cried out, causing more mermaids to join her. He said that all of the mermaids were as big as the men in his crew, with very pale skin and long, dark hair. They also had tails that resembled the shape of a dolphin's tail, but they had spots on them, like a mackerel. Hmm. So one interesting thing here is that all of the normal animals that sailors tend to mistake as mermaids like manatees and things like that, were not and are not native to the Bering Sea. So this Mm. story captivated plenty of people, including naturalist Philip Henry Goss. He would weigh in on this sighting more than 200 years later in one of his works. He said that it's pretty much impossible that this was a case of mistaken identity, since Hudson was an experienced and knowledgeable sailor, and since most of the usual animals that sailors mistook as mermaids weren't in the Bering Sea, and Hudson would have known that. Hmm. He believed that either Hudson made the sighting up completely or that he'd actually seen something unknown to science. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. That is crazy. Well, and to think that that would be, you said, a naturalist, Mm -hmm. meaning somebody who is generally skeptical of anything folklore-y. So... I mean, all of us can be influenced, but like... Sure. When you're trained... To rule those things out first. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you still end up with, well, it's either he made it up or that's what happened. Like, yeah. That's, that says a lot. I feel also, like. that's a reasonable conclusion for Goss to come to. Like, yeah. he would know that that's not, this isn't an instance of mistaken identity because he's familiar with the species in the area. He would know all of this. Right. So he's either a giant liar or he saw something that none of us can explain. Wow. Yeah. So that one's interesting. So in 1943... Japanese soldiers were stationed on the key islands of Indonesia. There had been rumors circulated by different soldiers claiming to have seen what they believed to have been a mermaid playing in the lagoons and beach shores in the area. They described it as a water being that was small and humanoid with spikes or spines on its neck and a head and neck that looked like a carp. Sightings would continue and eventually the sergeant of the group stationed there by the name of Taro Horiba would be invited by a local indigenous people to come and take a peek at what they'd captured in their fishing nets. Hariba was invited into the chieftain's home in the village, where he saw a bizarre thing on the floor of the home. He described the creature. He said it had a small body, maybe four feet long or so, with reddish-brown hair, Hmm. spines on the neck, and a human face. 
This face was lipless and had a mouthful of razor sharp needle like teeth. Yikes. Spooky. (laughs) I read that that's one of the more well documented cases. Wow. Or sightings, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, very interesting. That's a that's a pretty famous story. I didn't know that story until I was digging in, but hmm. creepy. Very creepy. Very creepy. So in 1967, on Main Island off the coast of British Columbia, at a location called Active Pass, there was a ferry full of passengers. They saw what they claimed to be a mermaid. She was sitting near the water's edge eating a salmon. <laughs> she just caught herself a little <laughs> yeah. snack and was yeah. chilling on the beach. She was described by a lot of the passengers as a topless, beautiful, silver blonde haired woman with dimples and the tail of a porpoise. She seemed to like the way that the wake from the fairies would sort of like wash over her Mm -hmm. as she was sitting there. One passenger even managed to capture the now very famous photograph of the mermaid. This story blew up and a $25,000 reward was offered for anyone able to capture what was known as the dimpled mermaid hmm. by the local newspaper, the colonist people of all kinds were captivated so much so that a group of people from the undersea gardens who were described as a quote group of competent marine biologists were so sold that something might be going on here. Hmm. They considered this a potential opportunity to verify if mermaids existed. They even prepared accommodations for her if she was ever to be captured. Wow. Straight up, they gave her, this would be her home, which, leave her alone. Right, that's... From what we've learned about mermaids. (laughs) So various witnesses described what they saw to the local media outlets, many of which wanted their identities left out because they didn't want their peers to think that they're crazy. (laughs) Which I've talked about this before. Yes. To me, when people ask to remain anonymous with these sorts of stories, Mm -hmm. that's almost a more compelling reason to believe that they're telling the truth. To me. That's in a personal opinion. Sure. Um, but yeah, very strange. So efforts were made to find the mermaid, but to no avail. Several attempts and a few hoaxes later, the mermaid or the woman pretending to be a mermaid that pulled off a pretty crazy mm, yeah. feat uh, were never located. Nobody has come forward to say that they were the dimpled mermaid. So we'll probably never have this confirmed as a hoax or as potentially an actual sighting wow. one way or the other. Crazy. I've seen the picture. I'm like, girl, what are you doing eating that salmon? (laughs) She's just having a salmon snack on the beach. Eating a little salmon snack. (laughs) Uh, So in a Western Cape province near South Africa, a very famous mermaid would be spotted in 2008. The mermaid known as the Kaiman has been known by residents in the area for many generations. And this most recent sighting was exciting and terrifying for the people living there at the time. A man named Daniel Cupido and a group of his friends were relaxing and hanging out at a campsite when they all heard a loud sound, almost like someone slamming against a wall. They went to investigate, wondering if maybe there were people vandalizing Mm. or burglarizing another campsite. And that's when they saw it. A pale white woman with long black hair thrashing in the water. Thinking that she was a woman who was drowning, they ran towards her, only to be stopped dead in their tracks, when they saw red flashing in her eyes and noticed that her pale skin seemed to almost be glowing. Mm. Daniel called his son and nephew over to come see, and several others joined and watched as the creature swam near a low bridge, making a sound that they described as sorrowful, yet enchanting, almost like a woman crying. Mm. One of them said that the sound was so sorrowful that her heart couldn't take the sound any longer. Wow. This continued for some time before she dove back into the dark waters, out of sight from the mesmerized, horrified onlookers. They all genuinely believed that they saw the Cayman. Though there have been decades between sightings of the Cayman that span over many generations, this is definitely a staple legend in the area. Wow. So that one's creepy. Yes. All right, so let's do one more. In 2009, in Kiryat Yam, Israel, a surge of sightings would occur. A man named Shlomo Cohen and a group of his friends saw what appeared to be a woman sunbathing on the rocks. When they got closer to her, she dove into the water, but not before the group swears seeing that unlike a typical sunbather, this woman didn't have legs, but a tail. Hmm. 
When news of this sighting hit the public, a massive wave of tourists would begin flocking to the area. The local tourism board took note of this and offered a $1 million reward to anyone who could provide photo or video evidence to verify the existence of the Kiryat Yam mermaid. Wow. And from what I could find, the reward has yet to be claimed, but tourism in the area has stayed consistent, with many tourists hoping to spot the mermaid and claim the reward money for themselves. So there are videos, pretty famous videos. There's one in particular that I'm thinking of where there's people up on like a cliff's edge and then they're looking at what they think is a seal at the bottom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Um, I think so. I think I remember that being called the Kiryat Yam Mermaid sighting. So Mm. I don't know if like I'm talking about the same sighting that this guy caught on video or if these are unrelated and that's fake, like that's considered like proven a hoax or whatever. Right. But that one is like really famous, like millions and millions of views. So Mm. if that's if that's the same one, I would be surprised that nobody's claimed the reward because it's pretty convincing. Right. Huh. Also, I want all this stuff to be real. So, well, and I'm honestly very intrigued to see some of these photos and videos that you're yeah. talking about that you've you've obviously seen. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I want to I want to see all these different creatures and what the similarities are, what the differences are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like all the different artistic depictions, because mm-hmm. right. like in different regions, you'll get a lot of similarities, and then you'll also see distinctions. Like across different cultures, but then overlaps. So it's really fascinating to see how all of that plays out. I'm particularly fascinated by the fact that like ancient cultures all had somewhat similar Mm -hmm. stories involving specifically involving mermaids. Right. It's like, how did you all have this idea? Right. If it's not real, you know what I mean? So I guess like a little bit (laughs) off the deep end being like, please, somebody have a mermaid sighting that you've caught on video that you've not shared with YouTube yet. Right. So that I can save it it for us. You saved it because you knew it would make me really happy. (laughs) Okay. So there are so many more stories that I could share, but for now I'm going to leave it there. So whether mermaids are just creatures of myth or if they actually are out there, always just out of the sight of the watchful eye of every human with a smartphone, We may never know, but it's safe to say that regardless of mermaids being real or not, they have captivated humanity for millennia with their mysterious intrigue and allure. And I think that they always will. Yeah. And that's what I have for you this week. Wow. That's really cool. I feel like the one thing that people like to jump to when they say, I need photo or video evidence of this to be true is even if someone were to have evidence they wouldn't believe it. Like you literally have to capture, like kill and capture something and have it be like dissected and right. Yeah. In order for someone to actually believe it. And as we've, as we've established, uh, doing that will get you killed. Yeah. So don't do that. (laughs) So don't do that. And some people also just, they don't like to have fun. They're not here right. for a party. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I'm, I'm all for there's things that have been verified by multiple unbiased parties. Like I'm all for that. That sounds good to me. And like for when, when a video takes off mm-hmm. where it's like, this is a Bigfoot sighting, this is a mermaid sighting, Loch Ness monster, whatever. For people that have expertise in video production and editing to say, I'm going to tear this apart and see if I can find edits and right. all of that. Like, that's actually really yeah, helpful I do appreciate and like, that. interesting. And yes. I like watching those like breakdowns when people are like, you can clearly see that this was added in. Here's right. how you take it out, blah, blah, blah. That's helpful. Yeah. But every once in a while, I'm like, I'm just not even going to look into if this one's fake. And I'm just going to believe that they saw a mermaid jump into the right. sea. And I'm going to stay away from there because <laughs> yeah. that's scary, but also like so cool. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the thing is some people will reason away even to the point, I mean, we've seen it on even the like most non-believable uh, information discovery, like documentaries mm-hmm. that are like using the same picture 80 times throughout, throughout a 30 minute mm-hmm. <laughs> documentary series. And that's all they've got. That's all they've got. But they keep using it because it's the only one that people can't outright rip apart because mm-hmm. it's like actually it seems by all accounts to be valid. 
Right. You know, and and even still, honestly, probably probably because of the over sensationalism mm-hmm. of it, it's easy to write it off as fake, even if you can't verify that it's fake either. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those like we can just choose to have fun sometimes too. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. We can have fun. <laughs> yes. Well, one other thing that I think is interesting is there's so many species of all different kinds of creatures, plants, insects, fish, birds that are being discovered all the time. Right. And so is it possible that these are cases of mistaken identity, but what we're seeing are creatures that haven't been classified by science mm. yet? Sure. Yeah. Same thing with, with Bigfoot sightings. Yeah. There absolutely could be, I mean, you know, it would be helpful to have a skeleton, a fossil, something, mm-hmm. you know, obviously. But I mean, I think of maybe it's like a year ago, there was like multiple new species of frogs discovered yeah. somewhere. And I remember being like, there's still, mm. we're still discovering things. Yeah. And so I just, there's that like bit of wonder that I hope that I never lose. Like even when I'm 80, if I make it that long. Yeah. That like I'm always just hoping to see right. it, you right. know. Well, and to it still see begs, that be proven as true or whatever. Right, and it still begs the question: What if it has something to do with, with something more paranormal? Also, that's true. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's actually like an interesting take to look at any yeah. of these things: Bigfoot, aliens. Yeah. Like, like you can say putting all those things together only makes them less believable. Mm-hmm. But I would say if they are related in some way to something paranormal or spiritual or w- what have you, mm-hmm. that it actually would would justify um, a less common experience that people are less inclined to take up smartphone video video of. Yeah. That's like my frozen opinion. in your tracks kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. No, yeah. that is a good point. Yeah, so this is kind of like a cryptid uh, folklore hybrid that I did today. Yeah. Kind of fun. Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, for everybody who has enjoyed this very in-depth episode, thank you for listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. Really not unsavory, I would say. I would say this one's mostly unusual. uh, Definitely unusual, and I actually feel very savored. I feel like... Like this one's a satisfying, like deep dive into Mer legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I like. apologize once again. I did it up front. I'm doing it again because it's who I am as a person. I'm sure I botched pronunciations. Just know that in my heart, I really did try my best. Yeah. <laughs> it was so fun. It was so fun. And it's so interesting to see all the stories from around the world. Yeah. And different time periods and stuff. It's right. fun. Right. Seeing how it covers such a wide uh, breadth of, mm-hmm. of geography mm-hmm. and history. Yeah. It's really cool. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure that you subscribe and leave a glowing five-star review. It helps everybody else to find this podcast as well. And don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms, uh, TikTok and Instagram at this one is a doozy and Facebook. This one's a doozy podcast. And you can also send us an email via this one is a doozy at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear your recommendations for stories or folklore or anything like that. Uh, and also your personal stories. If you have a story of an encounter with a mermaid, we want to know. I Maybe have wants to the know. Picture. I have to know. <laughs> Even if you don't have a picture and you just want to tell me about it, yes. I will believe every word you say. Yes. And you could make it onto a future episode. It's true. Odds are very high if you've seen a mermaid. <laughs> We're going to expedite this story <laughs> this now. One's, this one's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we will see you next week for another doozy. Thanks. Bye.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. 